you know what? It sounded like like a certain guy who's been there for a long time is moving on. I think it's time to pour one out for Mason Crosby. The Silver Fox is probably heading out of Green Bay. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Lombardi Time Brews, where I'm your host, John Delray. You know, I'm going to take the day off today from talking about mock drafts because the NFL annual meetings actually presented a lot to talk about from the Packers. And I'm I'm not just talking about haymakers between Brian Gutekunst and Aaron Rodgers. I'm talking about, like, actual news about people who are actually going to be on the roster next year, including updates about the secondary, uh, what we can assume that means for, like, Eric Stokes' health, Mason Crosby news, news about needing a vet wide receiver. Like, there's lots to talk about. So I am going to go through all of that today, as well as towards the end, I will address what's been going on with the trade, rumored trade compensation, as Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports put out what he's heard, and it probably is the most tangible structured trade that we've heard yet not just a lot of posturing about the Packers want this and the Jets think that the Packers are jerks and all that crap that like an actual proposal that has been talked about so gonna get to that gonna get to the haymakers being thrown between the front office and the former franchise quarterback uh so if you want, though, if, if that's not for you, if you don't like all this Aaron Rodgers stuff because you're just done with it and you want to focus on the guys who are actually going to be on the team, then the first part of the video is for you. You know, before I dive in completely, hey, shout out to Larry McCarron. Yeah, The Rock. You know, being employed for the Packers, um, he has the unique opportunity to get the insider of the insiderist access, right? And it's been really neat over the last couple of days. He's done an interview with Brian Gutekunst, done an interview with Mark Murphy, and he really, he addressed what everyone wanted to be addressed in those questions. And, you know, he as a team employee could have thrown up like 100% softballs, and instead I thought he actually hit the topics everyone wanted to, just did so in a very professional way. So I encourage you to check out those videos from the Packers. Uh, is there anything earth-shattering or enlightening in them? No. But it was refreshing to hear a Packers employee actually address the elephant in the room. Shout out, Larry McCarron. Uh, one other thing, too, that it doesn't seem like it should be newsworthy, but for us, it kind of is. And that would be there's video today on Instagram of Jordan Love and Aaron Jones working out together in what looks like just like a park like they just rolled out down the street and went to a park but aaron jones running routes catching the ball from jordan love certainly a sign of the future doesn't feel like it should be news really feels like this is the kind of thing that, like these teammates should be doing in the offseason but given how the last couple of years have went it's refreshing it's it's really nice to know that a packers headline is associated with a player working out together as opposed to doing something by themselves on some island and something that's illegal in a bunch of countries. So, um, moving on from that, let's talk about the actual topics that did arise from the NFL annual meetings. Uh, one, Matt LaFleur reiterated the Packers are going to be looking for a veteran wide receiver. Keep in mind the wide receiver room right now is Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samari Toure, and then Bo Melton? And other practice squad guys, and I know Bo Melton is kind of like, you want to consider him practice squad plus, because he does come with some draft pedigree, there's really some potential there, but then you've got Toure, who's a day three pick, and then of course Dobbs and Watson, and I'm like, it's just an incredibly young room, 
right? And most of these guys are going into year two. You want someone old there, right? Like, you want some kind of den leader in the room. And a lot of names have been floated, right? And I thought one of them that actually stood a decent chance because I thought he was going to be affordable, still produces, blocks decently, has some speed, would be former Detroit Lion, former Jacksonville Jaguar, Marvin Jones. But just today, Jones wound up signing back with the Detroit Lions. So, never mind. So that crosses him off the list. And if you look up and down the list of free agent wide receivers, if the Packers are going to address this in free agency, that list is rough. I mean, sure, you got 29-year-old Kenny Galladay, former Lion, former Giant, who, you know, barely plays. Other notable names on there, Julio Jones, or the, the ghost of Julio Jones. Wouldn't it be kind of funny, though, after years of Packer fans clamoring to get Julio Jones, that now they get him? But... It's just, it's a dwindling list of players that have a certain pedigree about them. And that really takes us down to one of the last remaining options who remains unsigned being Randall Cobb. Now, I know Randall Cobb is probably going to the Jets, right? Supposedly the Jets have interest and and all this rumored stuff. Well, it hasn't happened yet. And I don't know if the Jets are just waiting for the trade to be official before they go that far of signing Cobb. Or maybe the Jets aren't as interested as we've been led to believe. Here's the point. If Randall Cobb is available to be that guy for Green Bay, to be the veteran in the room, and it kind of depends what they're looking for too. Like if they're looking for a vet to come in and be like a full-blown starter at wide receiver, uh, then I don't know as if Randall Cobb is for you anymore. He can contribute, but can he stay healthy week in, week out? Can he be a starter-level contributor? Eh. He did still contribute last year. I mean, he contributed last year to the tune of playing in 13 games, 34 catches, 417 yards, and a touchdown. More important than the raw numbers, though, was you saw that Cobb was still able to find holes in zones, still make himself open, which is kind of the veteran presence that the Packers lack. So... Look, overall, if Randall Cobb is available and the Packers are looking for a wide receiver to make the whole unit cohesive, someone who's going to be more player coach than just player, then Randall Cobb still does make sense. And I know it's not flashy. I know you're not going to expect him to get a thousand yards, but he's a guy who you can bank on to know the system, who's going to show the young ones the right way to go about being a professional. It's just, it's food for thought, right? So, and he's going to be affordable too. I mean, look up and down the list. Who are you going to go get that's going to play in all these games that's going to give you starter level production and the Packers can afford? Like that's, That's a very, very small list. So, if he doesn't go to the Jets, I think it's worthy of a thought, certainly. Um, Next up, another, another old guy, Mason Crosby. Look, when we were back at the Combine not all that long ago, and Brian Gutekunst was doing an interview, he made it sound like Crosby was going to be back. Like, this was just a foregone conclusion. You know, dot the I's, cross the T's, he's coming back. But now, he doesn't sound that way anymore at all. In fact, it sounds like Mason Crosby is going to be moving on. You know, Brian Gutekunst talked about, never say never, he could return. Well, generally, that makes it sound pretty unlikely. 
But Brian Goodkins also mentioned that there was limited financial flexibility on the part of the Packers. And I guess here's my thought. Is is Mason Crosby looking to be paid like he's been paid the last couple of years? He was one of the highest paid kickers in the league last year. If that's the case, then it makes a lot of sense for the Packers in this transition year especially to go find their kicker of the future rather than a one, two-year stopgap or whatever Mason has left. If Mason's willing to, to play something closer to the minimum, I mean, I guess you evaluate it, but... My big thing here is, and I even mentioned this on Monday, I said, you know, it sounded like a foregone conclusion at the Combine. Why hasn't he been signed yet? Well, now we know. The easy answer was always financials. But why is Brian Goodikens at the Combine so forward? I mean, he must have really thought that they were going to get this worked out. Now maybe they've talked more, exchanged more numbers. Maybe Mason is just not wanting to return anymore because of how some of the Rodgers stuff has gone. Who knows? And maybe that's going to be the case for Randall Cobb, too. Maybe he doesn't want to come back to Green Bay. Maybe. But ultimately, it sounds like Mason Crosby is going to be moving on and the Packers are going to need a kicker. So is that going to be a late-round draft pick? Is it going to be an undrafted free agent? Maybe they've already got it on the practice squad. Who knows? But it certainly sounds, from Brian Gutekunst, like Mason Crosby's time in Green Bay is done. And look, I know Mason Crosby doesn't have the leg strength that he once did. I know he struggles to get to the end zone. And at the Combine, again, Brian Gutekunst attributed that to some of the knee injury that Crosby had last year, that he was recouping from all year. But you just see it. He doesn't have the strength that he once did. It's more so just, this is another Green Bay great moving on. And that is the passage of time. That is what is normal. But it's another guy who was a very esteemed Packer, did a lot for the community, lived the right way, the Packer way. You know, it's just, it's it's hard to see Mason Crosby go. But if the Packers want to go to a younger, cheaper, stronger option, this is probably the year to do it. So I don't really blame them that way either. Next up, on a purely aesthetic note, the NFL, the owners committee, the people who make these rules decided collectively to allow the number zero to be displayed on a jersey again. Unfortunately, the Packers don't have any player with the last name Otto, like the old Raider great. But, you know, I do think that there are some players who are going to have fun with the jersey number zero. I know purists hate this garbage, but come on, that's pretty cool. Like, to have zero on a Packer jersey? Come on. Like, that's kind of neat. And immediately after that was announced, Keyshawn Nixon, of all people, retweeted that with, like, the eye emoji, obviously expressing that he was interested in the idea of being zero. And here's what's kind of neat. Couldn't you just picture Keyshawn Nixon playing corner, all-pro returner, with an offensive package? Zero, doing it all. And then his nickname could be k 0 KO? Come on, that's kind of neat. That's kind of neat. But beyond that, I did slip in a little note there. Matt LaFleur did say in his press conference or his breakfast thing that he does with reporters that they're certainly evaluating the potential for Keyshawn Nixon to have an offensive package next year. So that's just going to be straight up fun if that happens. Let's move on because that is a perfect segue to the secondary. And there was actually quite a bit of news about the secondary that Matt LaFleur offered. And he said that Nixon 
is going to be given every opportunity to win the nickel job. Okay, great. But then that led to a lot of questions right away about Savage, because if Savage isn't going to play that nickel star-type role like he did at the end of the year, then where's Savage going to go? And so Lafleur said that Savage would be starting the year at safety. Interesting. Surprising. Matt Lafleur talked about how safety is probably Savage's best spot yet. Interesting. You, you know, there's some film and data that says otherwise, but said that they still believe in Savage as a safety. And there have certainly been glimpses of great potential, but there's also been consistent problems with him playing safety too, right? So, you know, the idea of Savage playing safety then immediately brought on questions about, well, a lot of people are under the impression that Razul might be switching to safety. Nope, Matt LaFleur said Razul is going to be staying on the outside, that that's his best position. Okay. Okay. What about Stokes, though? Because if you got Jair and Razul on the outside, Nixon's going to take the nickel, you got Savage's safety. Where's Stokes going to go? And then we got the answer from Matt LaFleur that Stokes' health may not allow him to participate in the beginning of the year. I think that that injury, that ankle and knee injury, that entire leg thing that Stokes had going on, I think was a lot worse than anyone was led to believe. You know, he went down and was immediately, like, announced out for the rest of the year. But there wasn't that much time left in the year, and so everyone was just kind of the impression of, like, okay, it's, it's bad enough. And the Packers were never incredibly forthcoming. Like, this wasn't like Rashawn Gary's injury, which was just, like, torn ACL. Done. Like, clean, easy. Like, Stokes's was always ankle, knee injury. And then not a lot of descriptors from there. Now, admittedly, the media didn't ask nearly as much about Stokes' injury as they did about Roger's thumb or Gary's ACL or whatever. So the Packers were never necessarily pressed into giving a full answer, but we don't still, I don't think we know completely what happened there. But if he's not ready for the start of the year, I think it's more severe than a lot of people knew. And for a guy coming off of a sophomore campaign where he was struggling after a really good freshman year, really good rookie year, you just have to hope that a lot of the speed that he's built his entire game on isn't sapped from him when he does return. You have to hope that he also returns to form. So that was definitely some news. So really, to start the year, what you're looking at for a starting secondary is probably going to be Jair on one side, Douglas on the other, Nixon in the nickel, and then at safety, Savage, and more than likely, Rudy Ford. Maybe more if he can sneak into the starting spot over Ford. And then, really, from there, when Stokes returns, then I think it's all hands, all bets are off. If Stokes returns, they want to give Stokes the outside job. Or if there's a top-tier rookie, like in my mock draft on Monday, I took Devin Witherspoon if he was available at 15. If you're able to bring in, like, a blue-chip rookie, how does that throw all this out of whack? And I do think, like a lot of people do, that Razul Douglas switching to safety is still a possibility. I think his style of play does lend itself to safety, certainly a lot more naturally than it ever did to the nickel position. I still don't know what they were thinking there. And I did see a comment on Monday when I mentioned Razul switching to safety regarding Razul's uh, ineptness at tackling. And so I did want to look that up. And I, I kind of had a feeling that this was going to be the case. Um, Razul last year had his second lowest missed tackle rate of his career at 9.9%. 
Now that also came with a career high of tackles of 65. He also logged a career high 32 stops, which as we know, a stop is defined as kind of like stopping a play before it should for the offense. Anyway, it's a tackle that dictates a failure for the offense. 32 from his position is quite a high number. Now that 9.9% tackle rate is within a point of Jair's and within a point and a half of Amos's norm. And Amos, besides this last year, is considered pretty sure tackler. I think Razul partially gets the rap of being an inconsistent tackler. One, because like what I just said, it's relatively inconsistent. But two, sometimes when he misses, it's because he's over-aggressive and it's a big miss. It's not just like a, he gets pushed off. It's a miss. And of course, if that could get cleaned up, then part of this reputation, part of the uh, tendencies of his on the field dissipate. So I do think his play style still lends itself to safety. And I do think his reputation is probably a little worse than in actuality what occurs. But, I mean, it is something to be aware of. So, moving on from the secondary, let's talk. Aaron, Charles, Rogers, and Brian something Gutekunst. I'm not going to totally dive into this feud, right? If that's what you want to call it. Whatever is going on. I'm not going to dive completely into that. By now, we have all seen the quotes. A lot of us have seen the headlines. Basically, it boils down to this. Brian Gutekunst on Monday, when gathered around by reporters, basically said, Hey, I tried to call Aaron several times. I was not able to get a hold of him. Eventually, I got to do my job. And we decided to move on. All right. Fair enough. And then immediately, the, the, the cadre of Rodgers fans came in and said, Well, you told him to take his time. I mean, yeah, he did. Here's what a quick interpretation of what happened, then I'm going to go into the draft comp. Aaron Rodgers has said for years that he wanted to be involved in the conversations about who they're drafting, who they're signing, who the coaches are, Right? He wanted to be involved in things that directly impacted his job. And they got to the end of the year. They had conversations. Rogers, by his own admission, was leaning 90% towards retirement. But he wants to be in all these conversations, right? And I think the question that needs to be asked is, when do these conversations occur? Right? When are you evaluating coaches? When are you looking at moving on from coaches? When are you signing free agents? When are you re-signing your own guys? And when are you doing draft prep? The months of February, March, April? Yeah, kind of like the GM's biggest time of year. And so if there was an understanding, or a misunderstanding that I should say, that we got to the end of the season, Gutekunst and team met with Rodgers and advisors, and they all talked, right? And Goody said, hey, if you want to come back, doors open. Maybe he wasn't particularly excited about that, but he did. It's believed by everyone to the, say that, like, if you want to come back, the door's open for you. And Roger said, awesome. I'm going to take my time. Peace. And then he left. Now, I think from the Packers' point of view, that was, okay, you're leaving. You Like, take all the time you want to make your decision. But we're going to be calling. We're going to be touching base. And you don't necessarily have to give us your decision. But if you want in on these conversations, then we're going to be calling you. Because they have to happen right now. 
So then the Packers attempted to call him, and Aaron Rodgers' stance was probably, I'm leaning towards retirement anyway, it's fine. And then off he goes. So here you have Goody maybe trying to call him to discuss coaches and stuff, and Rodgers ghosting him? Look, no matter where you stand on this mess, your franchise quarterback ghosting your GM when he calls, it's not good. It's just not. And if that is truthfully what happened, it's a bad look for Rodgers. Regardless of whether he had all the time in the world or not. If the Packers wanted to discuss with him other matters besides just him playing, he should have picked up the phone. Even if they wanted to discuss with him, hey, it's uh, it's Valentine's Day. We're now in mid-February. You know, free agency is a month away. we got to figure out our cap situation. We need to figure out who we need to sign. We have, we have so much to do right now. Hey, what you thinking? Where you at right now? Again, pick up the phone. And if you don't have an answer yet, fine. Tell him you believe in direct communication. Right, Aaron? So there's a lot of what's true here, what's not. And if Brian Gutekunst's version is true, then yeah, I tend to believe that it is because he doesn't have a lot of reason to bend the truth at this time. You know, the other thing that I will say is I do believe that Brian Gutekunst doesn't talk like that unless the trade is close. I think this trade is close. I think we're within time now. I don't think it's getting to the draft. I don't think it's getting to June 1st. All the other deadlines people are talking about, I think it's coming, and I think it's close. And I've been talking for a while about how the NFL annual meetings could just be that Joe Douglas and, and Brian Gutekunst, they got to go get a beer. They got to go hash this thing out. They got to be done with it. And we know that they had some informal conversations. So Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports, he put out there in an article saying the first real proposal that we've seen, the first like tangible this for that, not just the Packers want 13 and Joe Douglas is an idiot and like all that kind of stuff, right? It's, um, it's a lot more, it's a lot more than that, right? This is a actual firm proposal, tangible this for that. And so what Charles Robinson reported was that there would be the 2023 second round pick, one of them, for the New York Jets, going to the Packers, as well as 2024 second round pick with reasonable or attainable escalators to being a first round pick. And he believed it could be something like the Jets reading Cheney AFC Championship or the Jets hosting a playoff game. This is guesses. Okay, so there you have it, a second round pick and next year's second round pick with the potential to turn it into a one for Aaron Rodgers... And this seems to be a sticking point in the trade. The Jets want some kind of guarantee that Aaron is going to play more than one year. And so they want the Packers in 2025 to send them what's believed to be like a third round pick in the event that Rodgers retires after this one year. Now, my interpretation of that, all right, a two and then a two, maybe one next year. I would alter the deal in two ways. One, uh, one, it's all based upon Rodgers or uh, the Packers not giving any money. Okay, include that. But the two modifications that I'd make is, all right, Jets, fine. I'm good with the draft compensation now. A two and a two, maybe a one. But if I were Brian Gutekunst, I would insist upon a first round pick swap this year. 13 for 15. I've been negotiating with the Jets for two months. I don't want them picking in front of me. 
We know what the opposing weaknesses are. We've talked about our entire rosters. I don't want them picking in front of me. And if I got to throw you a sixth round pick to make it happen or whatever, whatever, I'm getting 13, you're getting 15. We're swapping. I think that's reasonable. The other concession or the other insistence that I make if I'm Brian Gutekunst is I want a player. And we get rid of that 2025 nonsense. Because as far as I'm concerned, the millisecond that Aaron Rodgers is traded to the Jets, he is no longer the Packers problem. He is no longer needing to be worried about whether he's going to play next year or not. That's all in the Jets. If you're going to make this trade, you're taking the risk. You don't get to be risk-free. So, that's where I'm at with it. I think a two and a two, maybe a one, is acceptable. But if I'm good at Kunst, I'm countering with, I want that pick swap. I want a rookie contract player. I'm not talking Jermaine Johnson. I'm talking lower tier because the Packers need bodies. And we're getting rid of that 2025 thing. Or even if you got to keep it in, make it a fourth or a fifth. Don't make it a potential top 100 pick. Other rumors, Corey Davis could very well be involved in the trade. We know that the Packers want a veteran wide receiver. We know that there's very, very few left on the free agent market. We know that there's not many to trade for. We know that Corey Davis is someone that the Packers have had their eye on before. They've tried to trade for him before. We know that he blocks well. We know that he's only 28 years old. We know that he could still contribute. Corey Davis makes a world of sense for the Packers in every way except for financially. So if it's on a reworked contract, makes sense to me. I'm good with it. Instead of on a rookie deal. Okay, fine. So there you have it. As it's being reported right now, 2023 second, second or first in 2024 for Aaron Rodgers and then a 2025 mid-sum. I'll just throw on a couple of quirks there. So there you have it. That catches you up on everything from the NFL annual meetings from the Green Bay Packers. Hope you had an absolutely wonderful Wednesday. I'll be back on Friday unless there's different news to talk about. I'll probably be doing a mock draft on Friday, this time from PFN's mock draft simulator, not PFF's. Different simulator should get some different results. Looking forward to that. Hope you're having a great day. And as always, go Pack Go.